My God, man. Do you know what this means? This ghetto's gonna be turned upside down, I tell you. Upside down. If you get on Gundam's bad side, brother, you're done for. Now, it's only a matter of time before Gundam finds out. And what Gundam does, no matter where Gundam is, get ready, gentlemen, because hell's a coming. Hell's a coming. Hey everybody, it's time for another train wreck of an episode of Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh, Chris, and uh, you are unfortunate enough to be listening to episode 42. So, as always, I'm joined by uh, my fellow cohorts in crime. Hey, what's up? This is Soulbro Ryu and... Neo, and I can't wait for the troll wreck that we're going to go into, too. <laughs> the one thing troll? Oh, God. I should have never said that. And Rex. <laughs> It's like chocolate and peanut butter yeah. put together. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be hitting up two topics as we usually do. Uh, one of them will be the next installment of Macross Roundup, which will be the 1994 OAV series Macross Plus. Awesome. And uh, we'll also be kicking off the first of a three-part segment uh, about Gundam regarding uh, if there were a few major things that we could change or do differently in each Gundam production, what would they be? And uh, because of the sheer size of the franchise, we're going to be breaking it down by decades. So this first installment will cover uh, original series through everything in the 80s. And um, that will pretty much be it. So with that out of the way, I will turn it over to um, Adam so that he can start interrupting Neil's news. <laughs> Today's first story. <laughs> I'm just yeah, really, kidding. Yeah, really? You want to jump in on this? I'm just kidding. Neo, it's all yours. The floor. Well, I uh, got some uh, news articles here that have been submitted by some listeners. And kind of bear with me a little bit. I might be jumping back and forth because the newsroom printer, once again, um, it was involved in a, a very bad very bad situation. So <laughs> I'm actually reading this off of, um, off of a laptop right now. But... Uh, this one, first one comes from us from a person called Armoro Ray of V or Armoro Ray of Five. So I don't, whatever one it is, let us know. I don't know. Maybe it's new. Is it new? Could be. And Lowercase V? Yeah, it could be too. Oh, I believe geez. that's actually a uh, dollar reliance from um, Solo Wave Radio Podcast. Did you want to tell me what his, his, his article is too? I'll tell you when he changes his <laughs> underwear too. Uh, you know, Thank you. You want to get down and personal, man. Actually, he has. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, he submitted a link here. It goes to YouTube, and it shows the new um, uh, the new promotional video for the Double O movie, and it shows all the nice new Gundams that all the um, uh, that all the Meisters are going to have, and it looks like uh, everybody's going to be back in this one, including oh. Tiaria, because it looks like he's found a body or something, or I don't know. It's a hologram. Yeah. Spooky. Is it? Yeah, that's what he looks like. Yeah, it does kind of look like a hologram. So, but um, encourage anybody to check everyone to check it out. It looks. Pretty cool, and you know, just like the past incarnations of the Meister's Gundams, they all have kind of that um, that kind of look from the original one that they had in season one, and uh, and then their their season two counterparts. So, um, next uh, article we have here comes from um, Anime News Network, and this is going to be coming from Thaddeus Bonzo. Nice, his brother uh, Deuce Bonzo. I wonder where he's at. <laughs> and uh, this is actually um, there was an interview with uh, Yosiki Kurodo, Kurodo and Seiji Mesashima. 
and talking about Gundam. And it's got some pretty good questions here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, you know, it's just mainly some of their ideas, some of the reasons why they did what they did with Double O. And, you know, for all those people that are interested in, you know, kind of the kind of the creative process there, you know, definitely take a look at it. So, um, you know, so the next one is coming from Furious Rodimus, and this is off the Cosmic Era blog. And this is actually for Solbro, because we know Solbro likes starting Internet petitions. Whoa. And internet petitions. I guess over in, in over in Japan they had a uh, the new box set of Double Zeta, uh, something that we actually talk about in this show. Um, you know, some of the things we changed, like the first half and the last half. Um, <laughs> That's specific. Uh, these boxes look pretty cool, and, and definitely he, of course, Furious Rodimus has a link showing them, and be, the only way that you're really going to see these is probably through the internet, because uh, guess what? This stuff ain't coming to the U.S., so get man. your... Nope. Yeah. Those covers look gorgeous, though, man. I, I, I love the four-color um, old-school comic book look they have. I, I think those are... Um, I'd love to have those, but I'm not holding my breath for the, those DVDs that ever come out here, or Blu-rays, even. Yeah. Maybe digital downloads, but maybe when I'm 60. Another article here from uh, Poster Flame X, and this is also something coming from um, Anime News Network. And all those folks that get to live in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco, on November, well, in about two days, you'll probably, you'll probably, <laughs> you'll probably have seen this before this show comes out. Oh, but um, awesome. you know, check it out at, uh, if you're able to. The second uh, film of Gurren Lagann is going to debut, have its U.S. debut in uh, San Francisco. So. Um, I doubt we'll have this show done by then, uh, the 17th and 18th. And some other quick little things here, some reports. Um, this is from JCN Castle 76 Basically, some stuff on the Anime News Network. Um, looks like uh, we thought Funimation was staying pretty um, you know, uh, clear of some of the economic downturn, but I guess their sales are down even though their profits are up. So Sorry. there's no, no 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 reason to freak out just yet. That's a normal thing. It's so. the end of the anime <laughs> industry. Oh, everything's going to go. Oh, my God. This is going to be over and the world is going to end. Oh, the sky is falling. It's the end of the universe. 2012 already? <laughs> For anime oh, in America. Man, somebody called John Cusack. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even think he can save it. Oh. <laughs> Darn. But, um, yeah, just take a look at that. That's that's a normal thing. So, pe- people, please don't don't freak out. So. <laughs> and, and Mr. Troll, if you're out there, we know you're out there because you just troll wreck. But- Funimation sucks anyway. <laughs> Dragon Ball V, more like drag on ball sucks <laughs> and our last little oh, our last ball. little news item here once again comes from poster <laughs> furious rodimus and this is on the uh the uh, cosmic era.com news blog and i'm sure uh soul bro will be putting his his pre-torrent up for this oh on uh, december 16th uh, there's going to be the gundam 30th anniversary sympathy hey and it's gonna be made of the mel- melodies composed by tosahiko sahashi Nice. Uh, then he did the music of Gundam Seed, and the following uh, tracks that are going to be on there are going to be Chobe Gundam from Original Gundam, Stand Up to Victory from Victory Gundam, Cool, Ani Senshi from First Gundam, Just Communication from Gundam Wing, and Z Toki Wo Kate from Zeta Gundam. I don't nice. know which one that is. That's the second. That's the first one. Oh, that's okay. The first. 
and the first press of the CD is going to have what? No a flying in the sky? <laughs> I don't have it. It doesn't have it here, so maybe that'll get added. I don't know. Odd. Uh, it's bastards. Yeah, I know. That's a good jam too, man. I like that song. Yeah. No, um, what what was that fourth um that fourth opening for Destiny? The that. <laughs> Oh God! Soul Bro's favorite. No, Wink, no. Winks of words. You can, you can, <laughs> you can take that back. <laughs> the Guilty oh, Gear opening, man. Season two for Destiny, man. That's the best thing in that show. That opening right there. And um, I don't know if you'll get this on the pre-torrent, Soul Bro, but mm-hmm. the CDs are going to have a bonus DVD, including a documentary about the recording of the album. So hopefully you'll be able to get that on your pre-torrentings. Hey man, I, I, I could get it from Amazon JP, man. <laughs> I, I, I might just shell out the extra coin, man. I just might do that. And if by might you mean not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And um that's it and you know um that's the news and we won't be um I, I think we're I think I'm gonna make a change for some of the news articles. Um anything that has the word Ava or Gellion in it is not gonna be uh <laughs> Oh you can't do <laughs> talk that. about on here. Break Peter's heart, man. Come on. <laughs> Way to, way to kill that. <laughs> That's why I'm here, man, every time. Oh, you're such a wet blanket. <laughs> and I, I guess I'll just put this in there. Last, last article of the day. There you go. It's from Mr. Destiny Gundam, and it comes from Anime News Network, and he's really super excited that on November 19th through the 22nd, there's going to be the Waterloo Festival for Animated Cinema in uh, Ontario, and uh, they're going to have the premieres of Evangelion 2.0, um, 15th rendition, Super Samoan, um, Irish release, bootleg, enhanced. Ultimate Destiny Directors Renewal. Ray Ayanami Kai. Revolution Kai <laughs> Custom. <laughs> reversioning. I can't believe you said Super Samoan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still stuck there. <laughs> Super Samoan, so. Awesome. <laughs> And um, um, and based on Mr. Destiny Gundam's um, thing to me, he says it's only a three-hour drive. So um, I'm sure that'll be the happiest three hours of his life. Actually, it'll be probably six hours because three hours there and three back. So sounds like a waste of eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would, that would be what Austin would say. I was channeling him. Oh, <laughs> Are you mind linked with him now? Yeah. Well, Peter can hit the boards with the review, man. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward oh, to his please, review, please. But uh, <laughs> it's Ravens, man. It, it's always entertaining, man. I'm telling you. Please do. But uh, and uh, that 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 is finally the news. So nice. back to you, Chris. That uh, wraps it up for uh, this segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f- here. Nothing is f- No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? 
Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note. And know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and uh, we're about to kick off the fourth installment of Macross Roundup. This time we'll be taking a look at a very well-known series often played on your local cable channels, and that's uh, Macross Plus. So, briefly, uh, this was the first... Macross uh, that Shoji Kawamori worked on uh, since uh, Daryl and Flashback 2012 since uh, Macross 2 did not involve uh, Studio New. So this was sort of a uh, return to the series for him. It also um, served kind of as like a prequel to Macross 7 introducing um, you know, the updated world, some of the new mecha, that sort of stuff. And uh, very well known for uh, soundtrack by Yoko Kano is also um, co-directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, best known for Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, Samurai Champloo. Mm-hmm. So uh, basically, we have a story that's uh, set about 30 years after the original series, and uh, it focuses on uh, two test pilots testing the um, next generation transforming Valkyrie, and the uh, related drama that ensues from their bickering and their disagreements. And it's interesting that. Um, you know, the whole project originally started off as this thing called Nova that uh, Kawamori had in the 80s, and it was about um, testing fighter jets, and it had nothing to do with Macross. And then he eventually adapted it into Macross Plus, and uh, hence the, uh, the name of the project being Project Supernova. <laughs> so that's you know, just a uh, rather uh, brief summary of what the series is about. So... Uh, get to you guys comments on the OAV which was later followed up with a movie compilation worst Macross ever (laughs) 
It, worse than Double O Season 2. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Double O Season 2 is a better Macross than Macross Plus. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think this is probably the one Macross show that I've seen countless times. Uh, I always... For a while there, especially in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s, it seemed like I always had friends that were either watching it. You go over to their house and it's either on in, in some way, shape, or at some point in the show. Um, you know, just like you said, a, a kind of a, a great look at maybe being the test fighter, you know, the test pilots for the new Valkyries. Um, once again, love Triangle. <laughs> uh, great music. Um, you know, and this time having a pop idol, but actually being... A computer somewhat based on a real person. <laughs> so, um, you know. Which makes you wonder about uh, how creepy things like Hatsune Miku are. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see Hatsune Miku, I'm thinking of Sharon Apple. I know, I know. But, um, you know, just, just kind of a, a great kind of insight look at, um, you know, a brash pilot who basically gets just busted out of everywhere that he's been and, and it looks like his last. Um, his last stint is uh, putting him in the test of Supernova Project. And I actually think the uh, UN Spacey uh, brass wanted him to probably get killed <laughs> in the testing. <laughs> it's kind of the uh, impression I got at certain points. It's like I, I, don't think, I don't think they would have shed a tear if he did. No. No. And, you know, and, and of course, you know, not only do we have, um, you know, two companies and two pilots with two different planes competing for the, the contract for the new fighter. But we find out later on that there is a, a long history between the, the, uh, the two pilots uh, that they grew up together on, this, on that planet and, and then involving, look, watch out, a woman. So, uh, you know, two guys, it's the, you know, a little bit different than what we've seen in the earlier ones where it seemed like it was two girls fighting over one guy. Now we have the opposite, which is two guys fighting over one girl. So, um, you know, great music. Definitely... When you when I rewatched it the other day, just you know, just to kind of get my bearings again, it, it is the epitome of uh, early '90s animation. Yeah, I watch it and I'm like, wow, that is the early '90s right there with the pointed, especially noses. those character designs. Yeah, yep. the character designs, the pointed noses. I mean, it's just sitting there and it's like, wow. But um, excellent soundtrack, probably one of my favorite of the soundtracks of um, of Macross, probably outside of um, the original and the Frontier. Uh, and eh, I liked Seven too, but um, you know, a little bit different, a little bit different way of um, a different type of music. More of a techno dance beat in this one, and uh, very reminiscent of the '90s. Um, but also a, a pretty wide variety. You know, yes. you got some some jazzy, bluesy type things. You've got instrumentals. You've got mm -hmm. a wide variety of uh, you know the vocal tracks of Myung and Sharon Apple. This definitely was the soundtrack that put Yoko Kano on the map. Certainly, certainly. Well, did. and you know, and, and with dance music, a lot of times, you know, people, a lot of times, DJs will mix in other influences, and that's kind of what I meant when I said that, where you have the different things. But I'll tell you this much: I would love to go to a Cheryl Apple concert. <laughs> When you, when you first see that concert where uh, Usomo and 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 um, uh, Solbro's boy there, what's his name? Oh, you talk about uh, Yang um, Newman? Yang, Yang, <laughs> main, main man Yang. His man Yang. Um, not Yang Wenli. Yeah, not Yang Wenli. No. Oh my God. No, his his uh, his boy in Galactic Heroes, I think, would be. Um, we just a Flagel. Yeah, Flagel. Mr. We'll get to that when we discuss that show in a future in a future uh, anime spotlight. But that, nice. that I mean that was just such a it was just such a cool a cool concert and you know and the way they do the story and the, and you know the the actual way of shooting the 
the concert and stuff, it almost you almost to a point feel like you're part of it too. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's it, it feels like you're watching uh, an animated version of a concert DVD. Yeah, and I would not surprise me if you know they looked at actual concert videos mm-hmm. and you know the camera angles and all that stuff and animated based off of that. If you even watch the crowd. And that's yeah. one of the other things. Yeah. You, when they do the pan out in the crowd, instead of doing like the crappy animation, like a lot of shows will do, they'll just put like a circle and maybe some head, like hair with no face or something like that. You mm-hmm. actually see the people moving with the music. They're and actually all that. doing it different things. They're not like uh, Gran Turismo cutouts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a whole wall of like flesh that is just like there, static. Or, or, early PlayStation 1 Madden fans. Oh, man. Yeah, you look out in the crowd, it's like they're all doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all weak GIF maps of, um, yeah. <laughs> of the staff members. <laughs> Pretty much. But, um, you know. And not to knock Gran Turismo, at least, they, at least they got real people in part four. Yeah. There you yeah. go. But, you know, in, in essence, I, I think it's one of my favorite of the Macross um, of the shows. I, I think it's one of these shows that even if you don't really have a basis in the world, you can watch it and still understand it's it's still a standalone, and I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, people that would watch it that way would probably get them interested in you know watching the um, the, the previous shows to see you know how the world kind of came about and everything. But um, just in essence, the epitome of that new type of anime that was coming out in the mid '90s, and uh, you know you, you can definitely see that future shows, even even future shows in um, in Macross, there's a lot that is being borrowed from Macross Plus. I mean, you know, some of the fight sequences and everything like that, you really they really stepped it up um, with Well, this, uh, this series was the first time ever that you had both, you know, in story and, uh, well, no, later on. But, you know, in terms of production, this is the first time you had Valkyries versus Valkyries. Yeah. yeah. Which was a big deal because that's the way it's been ever since then. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Chronologically, you know, now that's been retconned with Macross Zero, but, you know, this was the first time you saw on screen Valkyries fighting each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and, and it is. As, as you're watching it, you know, you, you see the genesis of all the fights that we saw, especially in Frontier. I mean, they're, in, a, in a way, some of those fights. And in, in Zero. And in Zero, yeah. They're very reminiscent of what we saw in, um, you know, the, the, the first time that uh, Gold and um, Usamu, you know, start to go after each other through the city. I mean, that's one of the... That's one of the incredible incredible fight sequence you know the detail and everything looking the planes reacting like you think the planes would react and um, you know and then you just start feeling the aggression between both of them and just a great show of 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 projecting the feelings and emotions of the characters to you where you don't have to really try to grab it yourself you can just feel it and with the music Especially so. Now, as far as Macross goes, uh, you know, most Macross series have had, you know, a sort of similar setup where, you know, there's humans and then, you know, there's an alien race that shows up and a whole bunch of stuff happens. And Macross Plus uh, doesn't have any of that. There's no aliens at all. I mean, no. unless you're counting those, you know, Zentrali they're fighting at the very beginning of the first episode. Yeah. So, how do you think that makes this show stand out? And is it a good thing that it's not the same sort of setup as other Macrosses? I, I think that's what probably sets it apart, and I think it's the one that you have because you always hear even non-Mecha fans enjoying the show, and I, yep. I think that that's why people like it is because it's more of well, you know, it was human on Zentradi between you know Osamu and Gol, but it was still kind of you know a personal, more of a personal thing. You know, there wasn't 
the like you said the aliens come in and trying to entrap the you know the people of earth or the people of eden or anything like that i think it i think it does a pretty good job of um standing on its own and i think that's what it's why it has a little bit more of a mass appeal uh to people well, that's just my opinion so <laughs> although uh it's it's you know in terms of the widespread appeal i'm sure it doesn't hurt that um it's aired like a zillion times on oh, yeah. Sci-Fi Channel, yes, uh, Stars. Yeah, it used to be on Stars, uh, heavy. The fact that manga like pumped this like up the ass in the mid and late nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like anywhere you go, manga was always like pushing Macross Plus, Ghost in the Shell, and Ninja Scroll. That yes, was like their, their only triumvirate of cash cow titles to appeal to like Joe Schmo, who likes watching them Japanimation cartoons with all <laughs> the violence and the sex in. It, that's and that's and that's true. But no, seriously, it's like you went to it like any blockbuster. Oh yeah, and you would always see those damn three titles. Yeah, it was that plus you know all of the crap like you know, be Geist and or Saturday matinee when they used to have those those stores around. You'd go in there and you'd go into the anime section, and th- those are those were like the three titles you'd always see there. You know, you'd be looking for that. You know that. Um, that three episode Dragon Ball Z DVD, nice, and uh, you know for thirty bucks. And well, uh, <laughs> Chris, Chris worked retail, and um, you know at, at a time where this was hot. So you know he he definitely saw it firsthand. Oh, yeah. You probably you probably sold many a copy of this in your uh, day. Unfortunately, by the time I got into retail, it was a little bit after you know, in the oh, DVD era, right? So not not so much Macross Plus. It already it was already kind of old by the time I got into that line of retail. But uh, I definitely saw it from the consumer's perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, at any comic shop, at any video oh, shop, yeah. at any rental shop, Macross Plus was like everywhere in the '90s. And and even though I think that they did a great job of pushing it, I think because the story and the show so strong itself it didn't like it it's i don't think it's lost its appeal to people and i i, I think um you know we, i don't look back on macross plus with like the nostalgia glasses that you sometimes do with like older shows or things that you kind of grew up with and um you know and and it is because you know how strong the story and and the music and you know just everything the combat and all that it is so so uh sobro your your turn up on the uh frying pan now normally you normally i'm a fanboy about a lot of stuff but this one i'm gonna come off as like the biggest or one of the the most hopeless fanboys for this because when i watch this back even more so than usual even more so than usual oh am i still in a petition (laughs) will there be a petition (laughs) there might be macroth plus on blu-ray petition let's do it (laughs) dear netflix there are two volumes of the OVA, not just volume one not just parts one and two. There oh. is a three and four. Yeah, um, Neo was trying to watch it on Netflix, and he discovered that they only put half the OVA <laughs> they on there. only got vol- volume one. It was like, man, are you serious? But, <laughs> they didn't um, even have the movie. <laughs> but I, I was interested. I just have my old-ass DVDs because Macross Plus was the, uh, the first DVD, anime DVD I ever had yeah. like nine years ago. Yeah, I got, I got one at Devon's. I got, I got the... The three and four, I immediately call them. I'm like, I need to grab three and four from you. <laughs> Ironically, a friend of mine um, introduced me to Macross Plus, and he was collecting every DVD, anime DVD that was coming out at the time. And this was, of course, one of them, one of the early ones that was released. And it's Shoji Romero, for those who've lived, listened to Flip the Script or uh, Level 9 in the past. Um, he, due to a scheduling conflict, he couldn't be here today. I actually wanted him to be on this segment. But um, this is one of his favorite animes of all time, and he introduced 
introduced it to me in 99. Um, one particular night, I was just hanging out over at his place, and he popped in the um, the movie. When the night air was crisp, when the- and the moon, was, <laughs> the moon was fully lit. We sat there by the fire watching Macross Plus. But there was a lot of firsts with Macross Plus for me. One of them was, this is the first Macross outside of Robotech that I actually enjoyed the first time around, and immensely so. This is also the first time I was ever introduced to Yoko Kano. I'd always heard about Please Save My Earth, never saw it, heard about how great that soundtrack was and never heard it and then you sit down you watch um you watch macross plus and the first thing that catches your attention besides the amazing visuals is the soundtrack it is by far one of the best anime soundtracks out there if you haven't heard it and you haven't even seen this anime whatever you get your hands on first check it out because um it is incredible you can see that she cut her teeth on this soundtrack um she shows so many different styles if i look at this soundtrack as a predecessor to what she did for Bebop. Almost this whole anime is a predecessor oh. for what they did for Cowboy Bebop. And uh, Ghost in the Shell. And Ghost in the Shell. And you know you got Shinichiro Watanabe working with um, uh, Soji Kawamori, and they made such an awesome team to put this together. Um, f- down from you know Kawamori's writing, his directing, you can see that... Um, Watanabe had a lot of say in how the visuals were in this and especially during the um, concert scenes which Neo brought up earlier Watanabe gets off on music I'm almost I'm almost um, <laughs> I'm almost convinced that music is an integral part of almost every anime he's done and it says a lot oh, in Macross what, what, Plus what a, what, a, what a speculation there oh no I'm just saying though, all, <laughs> I mean, all the way, his animes are all music inspired <laughs> the way he sets Solver up the, go down the, limb. the visuals to sync up with the music and how each one complements each other what is during incredible. analysis yes <laughs> so <laughs> avant garde and yeah. unheard of oh, I know <laughs> but uh, it stuns me to this day when I sit down and watch it I, Macross Plus to me is very timeless it's one Although of I the, should mention um, the the writing of Macross Plus uh, was not done by um, <clears throat> Kawamori. He co-directed the writer was Keiko Nobumoto, oh, who uh, was yes. one of the head writers for so Bebop, Bebop, and uh, also worked on Champloo and was um, one of the main writers for Wolf's Reign. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And it's like all these elements. It so, is. So I, she's the blame for the end of Wolf's Reign. <laughs> <laughs> but watching all these elements come together from Macross Plus, you can see how they moved on in their careers to 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 bring those elements to other series that they did. And Macross Plus is where it started. So if you're a fan of Bebop, or Samurai Shampoo, or um, Escaflone, I feel the Soul Bro guarantee coming yeah, on. This I'm not. One. I'm not. You'll like 100 guaranteed. <laughs> you'll love this like anime. <laughs> you'll love this anime, and if you, you don't, you'll get your money back. You, not Soul Bro will personally refund your time and your bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it is. If you love those shows, I, I'm pretty sure you'll dig this one too. There we go. And on where, top, where's that guy? Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> guarantee does not represent the opinions of Gundam MHQ or MHQ.net. Please do not take anything against, that he says against us. Thank you very much. I'm sure I'll get raped at the next live show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guy like, hey, Macross Plus is the worst piece of crap ever. I don't know why you said I like it. I wasted my time <laughs> watching it, and, and it all sucks, and it's all your fault. I'm going to tell him to go back to Under His Bridge over on the M boards at, um... <laughs> <laughs> at, um, at 4chan. But, um, Ooh, if anything... Hey, man. Uh, you can't ignore it. But uh, I just got a sour stomach I, I feeling can. in my stomach. <laughs> I can, too. I ignore it every day. I, I can and do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, but uh, when it when it comes to the uh, characters and the story from Macross Plus, uh, I love the fact that it's so centered on these three people, 
And then Sharon Apple also is almost a force of nature in this, where she manipulates those three into doing, you know, into into fulfilling roles that she thinks that, you know, she thinks that, you know, that she can bait them into and how they end up bucking, you know, her control towards the end of the um, anime. It's just how it plays out and how, you know, the tension is between the three characters and the big reveal and the, the dog fights are phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I sat there and watched it last night again and just to see the, um, the spam missiles alone those things it, it's 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 to me they it has the best dog fights in any macross series spam done right day. spam done right <laughs> but the direction I, to me this is the the best looking macross out of all of them including do you remember love and i do i do love do you remember love but watching this and looking at the direction in this it's just a slight level above do you remember love when it comes to the that's visuals hard to say, man. It, it, it's a close it's so close but i have to give it to macross hey, plus even better looking than frontier Dude, the inside shots mm. of the cockpit when um when you see isamu and gold you know fighting off the g-forces and all that stuff that is phenomenal all by itself and yeah. you know they just they you could see that they did a lot of um i think they're all on study par. on that you think they're all on the same level yeah i i gotta give it just a little bit more to macross i would say plus. they're you know they're they're all top level for their decades because, yeah. you know, uh, Macross Plus was one of the most expensive OAVs at the time that it was produced. And it shows. And it shows. I mean, Man. even still to this point. Uh, Daryl, obviously, they put in some good money in that. And, uh, you know, Frontier, they've put some money in that, too. So you know, I think they're they're comparable for, like, being among the best for their respective decades. Yeah. Yep. When it comes down to the mecha designs, um, both the YF-19 and the 21 are... Uh, they'll, they'll go down in Macross history as some of the the coolest looking uh, Valkyries that ever graced the franchise, and um, I've got to lean towards the 19 just a bit more. I know Neo likes the 21. I just like it when it does. I'll agree. With, I'll agree with you on the 19, man. Yeah. I think I just that, love. I just I think love when the 21 hits exactly. the afterburners and the wings go down. Mm-hmm. I think that's just so awesome. My God, it, it, I mean they both have. I mean it's yeah. it's almost a close. And the paint. I just love the paint scheme of the <laughs> of the 21 too. It, it does look cool with the with the navy blue. Yeah, like and the midnight blue and all that in there. Exactly. I, I got to say that... Of night- course, it's better when, when Max Genius uh, rapes things with it. That's right. Yeah. Seven, when he gets his own, the 22. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait to talk about that. The Makes most, the, the most awesome, the most awesome uh, sequence, action sequence ever. And Macross, when Free. Captain Max goes into the planet. Chris, oh, man. Next episode. All, all by himself. All by himself. And just shows up and kicks everybody's ass. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I look forward to that. But, yeah. And, Ma- and Milia having her own red one. It's like, man. Yeah. That's a husband and wife pair right there. Ooh. The couple not the F with. There, there, were, there were definitely some uh, some perks about being the uh, the captain of uh, Battle 7 and the mayor of City 7. <laughs> definitely some perks there. But anyway, we're not on... Different Macross, different episode. Damn yeah, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead a bit. But um, Damn it. for the most part, Macross Plus is an incredible watch. Um, as for what is better... Um, oh, I feel the E-word coming uh, on. Oh, sheesh. Uh, as for what's better, the movie or the OVA? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not uh, there yet, man. No, we're not, we're not over there. Nah. Well, we I, know, I haven't even stated my opinion yet. You know what? Yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me STFU for the time being. Yes. And let me pass... jump the gun as usual. Let me, pass the, let me pass the hot potato to Chris. Go ahead. So... Um, back in the day, I watched Macross Plus on, you know, dub videotape bar from a friend. It was the second Macross that I saw, knowing that it was Macross, and uh, it certainly caught my attention. The animation, you know, even back then on VHS, the music, the choreography of the battles, the mecha designs, it's, it's all really, really good. And, you know, seeing things like the SDF-1 updated, mm-hmm. you know, with a really nice new uh, design, well, basically kind of like a 
the same design from Daryl, but, you know, in nice new animation and mm-hmm. was a real, real treat. One of the things that's kind of amusing is, you know, it's like these people are all in their, uh, their 20s, but they're, uh, they're so emotionally immature. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's certain points where it almost gets to be, like, a little too much. Yeah. Like, how, how, like, how much of a drama queen can all three of you be? And it all comes down to, you know, the central event of, you know, them, uh, you know, being such good friends and then something that happened seven years ago, which is, as we see, Gold going apeshit and beating up Isamu and ripping Mune's clothes off. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the big giant secret and... Um, you know, it's sort of like uh, you know, he blocked out his memories, and it's like, well, why, why did they, why did they hide this from him and put up with so much of his crap over the years? Oh yeah, I know self righteousness just for his benefit, you know, because they felt, you know, it's like he said, did, did you feel sorry for the poor Zentradi? Yeah, I did feel I did like gold more than I did Asamu, um, but you know, I did find that kind of stupid that they would hide that from him that entire time. Other than mm, yeah, that. and and Myung, uh, as far as a character goes, I didn't really like her too much because she's just such a whiner. Yeah. yeah, about you know how miserable her life is and how she had to give up her dreams and she's just full of crap. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> she's not a very likable character because you know she's just she's a quitter and you know she's just a miserable, pathetic person. Yeah, you know aside from being you know like a busty Chinese woman, there's there's just like not much to like about her. Well, yeah. she also sings well too, but you know most of the time that she's on screen until the very end, it's sort of like like a drag. Like oh, here's you know. Miss uh, Miss Depression, right here. When she was like <laughs> pouting after the first concert in her hotel room, it's just like, geez, you know, take a Xanax chick, and you know, let's let's move on. I was looking forward to more scenes with Kate, or or before <laughs> before the fire, where she's like, I don't want to see anyone again. Yeah. I just want to disappear and fade away. It's like, please spare me the freaking drama. Your life's not that freaking miserable. Just shut up and grow up. Or uh, again in the scene when. Um, Isamu and Gold are fighting at the hospital, <laughs> and she's just whining and whining and whining oh. about, you know, oh, you know, you, you all are living your dreams, and, you know, mine's died long ago, and I'm tired of having every silly little dream betrayed. It's like, just shut up. And you can see such a freaking drama queen. You can see that she was part of her own problem, too, because yeah. the producer, oh, yeah. Sharon Apple, always said that she was beautiful and she could sing. And, you know, he probably would have even more been more than willing to give her a shot. You know, I, you know, she just decided not to. She just wanted to downplay her own abilities. Yeah. She and just wanted to be there behind the scenes providing the fake emotions for Sharon. Exactly. Rather than, you know, doing her own thing. And that's why she was so miserable. So, you know, her misery doesn't result from the two of them being immature. Mm-hmm. It just results from her own stupidity. Exactly. Uh, but she doesn't realize this. Um, let's see. What else? Um, I, I think, uh, I think uh, that about covers my thoughts um, for the show. Now, as far as the movie version, uh, the movie was released um, maybe about a year or so after the, uh, the OAV. Mm-hmm. And according to Kawamori, originally he had pitched it as a movie and uh, was told to make it into OAV so they could stretch it out. And um, that the movie pretty much is his true vision. And I would say... Uh, the movie probably is the definitive version because yeah. you can see where there's a lot of stuff that was added to mm-hmm. the OAV that is sort of like filler and unnecessarily slows it down. Right. Yeah. Like, for example, uh, if we go by, by part by part. Part one, you know, yeah, it opens with that neat space battle against those rogues and Trotty. Right. But then you've got, you know, Isamu being reassigned to the test base. Then he gets to the base. 
Then they have a meeting about what they're going to be doing. <laughs> then there's all this, you know, back and forth with him and Gold. Then they have the first test, you know, which is um, Isamu's plane being crashed into the ground by Gold, and he walks away without a scratch, and it ends there. So, you know, the movie cuts out a lot of that and repositions scenes. You know, it just starts with, you know, Gold testing stuff, and Isamu's already there as the test pilot. You can, you can see that they're test pilots and they're testing stuff. We don't have to have this whole, like, long, drawn explanation of what they're doing and why they're there. Yeah, there's almost too much explanation, too much backstory. Yeah, you know, and they move up in part two, um, Sharon's concert a lot. Yeah. They uh, consolidated some of the, like, uh, Valkyrie testing. They um, got rid of Personally, in my opinion, this is the probably one of the best changes. That whole subplot of uh, Gold loading live ammunition into Isamu's plane. Yeah. I thought made him come across as unnecessarily antagonistic. Mm-hmm. And pity. And almost villainous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, it's clear that he hates this guy. But, and, you know, when he causes that accident of uh, crashing Isamu's plane, that wasn't deliberate. But uh, this whole thing with the gun and Isamu getting injured and hospitalized that way in the OAV just made him really, really antagonistic for no reason. Yeah. yeah. Because then there's also the dried out thing of like there's a meeting with like all of these high officers of you know looking into this incident and you know the cover up and all this other stuff is all it's an unnecessary subplot that just dragged things on for no reason. I just think it makes better sense that Isamu gets hospitalized from his plane crashing into the ground so violently the way it did rather than walking away without a scratch at all like he did in the OAV. (laughs) (laughs) At the end, um, you know, we've got a lot of changes in in, uh, the last part. You've got a new song. You've got a whole new animated sequence at the beginning of Sharon's concert in Macross City. Yes. Uh, a much better fight between uh, oh, Gold yeah. and the uh, the Ghost because in the OAV he basically just kamikazes into it and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here, you know, they have this uh, long drawn out fight that involves them burning up in the atmosphere and Gold's eyes exploding and yeah. you know the wrecked YF-19 drifting off into you know eternity. I mean, the wife 21. So that's a, that's a much better conclusion. Um, with Isamu, you have this whole thing where uh, Sharon Apple is uh, tempting him by showing him that, uh, that other world that he was talking about to Lucy about when he's flying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you see that he's uh, just flying aimlessly and she's trying to kill him. And, um, you know, the ending, you know, the OAV, it's just uh, Isamu flying by, waving at Miyoon, whereas here they actually have a conversation that really wraps it up. And he mentions how you know he heard her and how she woke him up from that delusion that he was in. Yeah. Oh, I should also, I almost forgot, uh, way back in um, around the area of part two or three, very big change where uh, Isamu sleeps with Lucy. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Who, you know, they just kind of flirt around with in the, uh, the OAV, but uh, this is a very big change because... You know, in the OAV, it kind of presents it more like Isamu kind of might be interested in Miyoung, but is disinterested a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas here in the movie, uh, he clearly doesn't give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> for the most part, because in the OAV, he got the call about um, the fire in the concert hall, and he got there late. In the movie, he's, uh, he's, just, he's just banged Lucy, and he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He just goes to sleep. Hell yeah. 
So I think that plays out better in that respect that uh, they beefed up that interaction with the two of them and um, made it a little know, bit so more grown it, up. Yeah, and sort of made a counterpoint to uh, Gold and uh, and Myung. Yeah. Would would you say that um, despite their immaturity, that this is the most um, mature Macross out of um, all the series? Um, at least content. Well, mature in the sense that you know there's no teenagers running around jumping into robots. Yeah. Yeah. You know because these are all adults in their in their mid twenties, but uh, you know like I said earlier. These people are all pretty damn immature for people of their age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're very socially awkward. <laughs> Especially Isamu. <laughs> gold's, gold's not any better. Yeah, gold, gold, Gold's a bit retarded, He's too. He's not any better, either. I mean, <laughs> and Miyoung, we, we've definitely rapped about her. But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, the, the only, like, the only people who are, like, uh, present for their ages are, like, Lucy, mm-hmm. uh, the colonel. Yeah, <laughs> and Yang is actually pretty mature for his age since he's a whiz kid kind of guy. Yeah. yeah, although although he is a hopeless dork, he kind of looks oh, older than what he is. What is, what is he supposed to be? Nineteen? I thought he was a little like younger than that. Wasn't a little younger? I thought he was maybe even younger than that. But I he was uh, like anyway, sixteen, seventeen, or something. Yeah, so. as far as the most mature, I don't know if I. I mean, mature in terms of just like age and appearance, but certainly not in attitude because they got a whole they got a whole boatload of drama here that ain't much different from what you see. In mecha shows with uh, teenage kids running around. Yeah, it's it's very kind of teen drama oriented. <laughs> because it, it 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 is actual teen drama that none of them ever got past. Yeah, yeah that's never true. resolved it. They never resolved. So I guess it's a little bit more mature in that sense that you know they finally realize the stupidity of their ways and uh, you know grow up. God, they held on to it. All three of them just held on to it forever, didn't they? I mean, it's, it's just, just like you kind of see the ridiculous of it when. Uh, when Isamu and Gold finally have that last battle, yeah. and they're yelling at each other about all the things that each did to the other, like, I bought you lunch two times, I bought you lunch 13 times, <laughs> you didn't return that CD I lent you! Yeah. Man. It, I get, when I watch it, I kind of get a cross vibe between Top Gun and Gross Point Blank. <laughs> and, and, I gotta, I gotta, and this is just something that's always struck me every time I watch that battle. Mm-hmm. How nice and convenient that uh, there wasn't a single person in any of those buildings that the two of them were wrecking. Oh, oh yeah. It. I guess they all went to see the concert or got zombified by Sharon Apple or something because <laughs> there ain't a damn person around there while these two guys are smashing into and smashing through and shooting up all these buildings. Yeah. I think as much of a d- dicks these two guys are, mm-hmm. you think they'd be a little bit more uh, cautious about civilian casualties because... <laughs> They could have easily caused a massacre there. Hell yeah. There. But they don't care. They don't even seem to have... I don't think they even noticed because they had no idea that like the whole city was like you know under the control of Sharon Apple until they got there. Yeah. Until the ghost attacked them. So you know, for all they knew, they could have been killing hundreds or thousands of people. That's so that, I think, is a pretty obvious oversight. Yeah. yeah. Real big one. It looks incredibly awesome, but you kind of wonder, like, what are these two guys doing? Mm-hmm. Like when they, Don't they have any regard for uh, innocent people? They're just mad. <laughs> they're just mad because he bought a ma- uh, thirteen lunches. Exactly. Like, the poor maintenance people and janitors that work in those buildings. <laughs> yeah, and, and like just buzzing all of those buildings at, oh, at, yeah. at like mock whatever, Jeez. and smashing all the glass. Yeah, it must have been a Sunday. <laughs> must have been so- must have been something going on, some type of holiday. For for you guys, I'll kick it to you first, Solbro, since you were so eager to interrupt. Oh, uh, comments on the movie versus the OAV. I think the movie. Um, it, if if there was something I would introduce Macross Plus to to someone, I'd definitely go with the movie. 
Um, yeah, because it is far more fast paced. It keeps your attention. Yeah. Um, the animated sequences are sequences are even you know more exhilarating in the movie, especially the final um, the final the the third act where you know it's Isamu against the SDF one and and Gold against the Ghost, and you know it's just. It, it's balls to the wall the entire time. Um, I love the changes they made in the movie, especially the end where Isamu and Myung, um, you know, they finally talk and Myung finally sings, you know, you know, out in the open, not just in her own mind or in flashback. So, you know, that, that puts a nice little, you know, it wraps it up nicely at the end. And if anything, I, I enjoy the movie and the changes they made to it, especially since Isamu banged um, <laughs> Lucy. <laughs> who to me is probably one of my favorite characters in the um the OVA is Lucy. What about you uh Neo? Uh the same way. I mean, um if there is if there is a downside of the OVA, it's um it's the it's it's like you stated some of the parts they are they just kind of seem kind of unnecessary and almost kind of drag down the um the action. Um, yeah, cuz you know, obviously they wanted to drag it out to yeah. four volumes and yeah. the only thing that I really miss from the OAV but it's even then is unnecessary, kind of in the broader context is that opening fight yes. with the Rogue Zentradi. Yeah. I, I did. That's really cool, and it gives you a chance to see the poor uh, cannon fodder VF-11 actually get to do something. Yeah. Because it doesn't get any screen time for the most part otherwise, except for that part where Isamu's using it in a test. And by the time Macross 7 rolls around, the uh, VF-11 is nothing but, you know, absolute cannon fodder. Yeah, oh, pretty oh, much. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it's... And, and it's all really... And, and as far as Macross goes, I, I think that the VF-11 is the best-looking cannon fodder that Macross has ever had. Yeah, I'd agree so with that. Yeah. That battle gives them a chance to actually do something. Yeah, sh- show, what they, show what they could actually be done. But, yeah, I, I'm with you because, um, you know, of, of the stuff that was added, it did kind of set the pace of maybe why they made him into a test pilot. And, you know, just because he was just so a little rowdy and, you know, he... But you can see that from the very beginning because yeah. they add, you know, they added the whole thing of, like, him, uh, you know, with his smoke trails creating mm-hmm. the dino bird. You can see from, like, the the first minute that he's, Isamu's on screen in the movie yeah. that he's just a reckless guy. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to have, like, all of this extra establishment of, hey, look, this guy, he's reckless. <laughs> or the, or, hey, look, there's, there's, there's still Zentradi out there we could just blow up. Yeah. And given that the Zentradi don't really figure into this story anyway, yeah. as a race, you know, there's not, there wasn't that need to have that fight. But it was a nice fight, and that's the one thing I miss from the OAV, but not too much. Yeah. But, and, Otherwise, there's nothing I miss at all from the OAV that they cut. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just in closing, when it comes to the movie, same way. I mean, it, you know, just watch it. It'd be a, it it's a great way of introducing it to people. Uh, Macross Plus and even Macross and you know um, great great and it, and it seemed a little bit more adult oriented you know they they seem to they seem to be less immature than what they were they were still pretty immature but it seemed less immature yeah uh, and in the movie to me so yeah, I mean one of the things the movie does well is it shows how integrated the Zentradi are in society which you know you don't see them as giants in this except for maybe one scene which is in the um the karaoke uh the karaoke parlor where you see like a backdrop of them you know all supersized and it's it's kind of comical what they show but um you know other than that I just I love how at this point in the Macross universe it's you know the Zentradi are just you know regular people 
as well as you know the humans that inhabit the different planets they've uh, uh, colonized. Also, we get to see a planet that was colonized. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and see how life is you know normal despite the fact that you know you got alien um, flora and fauna and 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 you know just all there. It, it, it was it's just neat all the little things you see, all the minutia. Um, especially in the OAV, which I commend the OAV for, even though it's filled with filler, you know, there's a lot of minutia there that you know I appreciate. Well, I guess that about uh, wraps it up then. Unless anyone else has uh, something they'd like to add. Better than Double O season two? <laughs> <laughs> gotta know. Yeah, Double Double O was pretty weak as far as Macross goes. I gotta say. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess then that that wraps up this fourth installment of. Uh, Macross Roundup, and uh, next time uh, we'll be looking at um, Macross 7. We're almost hitting halfway, aren't we? Uh, we're more than halfway. We yeah. only have uh, three Macross Roundups left after this, so... Wow. Savor it. Savor it while you can, since uh, obviously it's not going to run a gajillion episodes like Gundam Roundup did. Oh. Got it. It was daunting when you got when we ended the fourth uh, Gundam Roundup. It was like, man, there's so many left. <laughs> Obviously, this is not the case. And uh, with that, that wraps up this segment. You are listening to Gundam at MHQ, and we'll be right back. Just got to keep on trucking. Yes, sir. I'm going to go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny first-place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day. Gum damn it. Well, all right, you're messy. Would you make me a medal, too? This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now, they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order, or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30, or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. I'll be damned if I'm going to clean up this mess! <laughs> This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Welcome back uh, to Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh, Neo, one of your hosts. And this, in this segment, we're going to be doing... This is going to be the first of a three-part um, segment, segment, topic segments that we're going to be having for the next couple shows. And it's kind of like a, a what if, what would you change, or you know, what if this happened. And we're going to be t- uh, breaking it down to the... 80s Gundam shows, the 1990s Gundam shows, and the 2000s Gundam shows. So, uh, since this is the first uh, segment, we're going to be talking about the 1980s Gundam shows, including, let's not get too crazy, um, Mobile Suit Gundam will be in it, even though it started in 79. So, but um, we'll be talking about Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, Zeta, Double Zeta, and Double O80. And Shark Counterattack. I will just open up to the floor. Chris, since you uh, were so eager to do the Soulborg button um what, what what would be the first thing you would change of one of those shows well since we're starting chronologically uh with you know, the original series one thing i would definitely change um 
well known my uh, lack of love for the uh, the G Fighter. <laughs> Very well known. Oh come on! I I just can't stand that thing. I, I hate it. It's ugly. It's stupid. They waste all of this time like combining with it and joining with it to make all these stupid things, only to in the end still have to use the Gundam anyway. Exactly. Well, what, what's wrong? You don't like a collection of old spare parts put together to you know fight the enemy? Ugly tank bird looking <laughs> fighter thing piece of crap. It's like someone turned their leftovers into a vehicle. <laughs> Yeah, if I could lose any, I would. I would lose a combination of the uh, the G Fighter and some of the more hideous Xeon mobile suits. Oh, the Zaccarella? Oh man, kind of kind of narrow it down on those mobile suits and mobile armors because there's just a bunch of junk out there. Some of those suits look like they're straight out of Thundercats. Yeah, I my eyes would appreciate a lot more. Some of those things were gone, and um, another thing. Maybe speed up the pacing a little bit in the middle. Yeah, definitely. Solbro? Looking back in retrospect... Um, well, that's the only way you could do it. Well, no. <laughs> Looking back in future stuff. <laughs> in Mobile Suit Gundam, I, even though that um, we've seen the, um, the plot line for the original, I guess, uh, rendition of 52 episodes, I would love to see it. I would love to see it go to 52 episodes, but have a much... Um, tighter storyline. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but at, you know, if with all the um, sounds kind of vague. With all, with all the reiterations <laughs> of Gundam throughout the years, there have been a lot of good ideas thrown around, and a lot of the revisionings for Gundam. So if they were brought together into a really epic storyline from Mobile Suit Gundam, I wouldn't mind it going 52 episodes, much like a lot of other Gundam series in the past. Uh, other than that, one of the things I I, I wish didn't happen um, is Slager dying. Although that probably would have. Um, that probably would have uh, changed things between him and uh, Mirai and, and Bright. I, I don't mind Slugger dying, but I yeah. think it would be better if he died maybe later on. Like towards the very end? Yeah, or, yeah, or maybe like around Solomon or something like that. I could I mean, accept that, yeah. If anything, he died too early and he just seemed like a, uh, a, a, another Ryu Jose, but with less screen time. <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd like to at least see him stick around a little bit longer. Oh, uh, one other thing. Given the fact that Zeta and the other series exist, I would have loved to seen some characters from Zeta make cameos in Mobile Suit Gundam and show up to make um, bigger roles in um, other series like um, like Jamaican and um, Jamatov and you know just integral characters that weren't so big in the One Year War that were kind of getting their start. Just more connection between two series. If Tamina wasn't well, hold on, hold up a second mm-hmm. here. Uh, since since before this goes too far, since this this topic was my idea, mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking like if things could be changed, like yeah. in isolation of the time when they were created. That's true. Not from an omniscient, you know, worldview of thirty years later. So then, um, if that's the case, then I, I strike that from the record. But it would still be cool. <laughs> I would like them to follow the way that I have my fanfic written. Hey, man! Or- <laughs> I would like them to consult me in 2009 when they go back to 1979 to animate this TV series. Where where I, where I get that idea from though is um from um Gary's, um ambition, where that game actually involves yeah, a lot of characters that, from other series. But, but, but that then game again, was it, made against in the, the nature of the discussion. We're talking, yeah, 1979. <laughs> that game's made 20 years after the fact. <laughs> it is, and you know they they can look back and say, oh, we should have did this, this, and this. So yeah, they have the luxury of that now. But yeah, um, if anything, then those two I named beforehand would be the two things I'd like to change from Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> I would like to see um, uh, Shar getting the Rick Dome instead of probably the Jiang at the end. Red Rick Dome? Yeah, the Red Rick Dome, just like he had in the book. I, I mean, I, I guess that could be, you know, I didn't mind the Jiang, 
and you know it made sense that they would just kind of throw you know another suit out there but i'm it's kind of along the lines of what you said chris where you know you have all these different like isolated mobile armors and mobile suits and they're just hideous yeah they're, and they weren't really part of the production line that and and possibly maybe even having um you know having the g3 show up uh, maybe four, you know, or, or some type of update besides the magnetic coating. Magnetic coating. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'd actually, other than that, that, and I think the other, the, my last thing on that, on this one would be, I would have liked to seen more people die at the end off the white base because you get the impression like everyone was saved off the white base. Yeah. And it was like there was a heinous fight going on there, <laughs> beams and, and, and shrapnel and blowing up everywhere. And it just seemed like everybody was like, hey, come on, get on the lifeboats, you know. Man, you um, want to see Omar, Omar and, um, and Somali body, man? Damn. Kill, uh, kill Job John. Oh, Job John. <laughs> he's, got the best, he's got the best fro in the business. Yeah, nobody gives a crap about him. Actually, I would, the, the way I would have written it, the way I would have wanted it done. What's up? Is there's a big fire in the, ba- in the white base. And the one that sacrifices his life to save them all is the chef. Because oh. <laughs> he knew that it was going to be a long trip on those lifeboats. So he went back to get some salt. Said, they needed salt. My job is done. My job is done. It's like, I'll go down with the ship, man. I can't leave this kitchen. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, that would be the pretty much the only other things I would. And, and like you said, probably the, the middle part, a little bit better pacing, a little bit quicker there but um i guess that would move us on to zeta gundam i wouldn't change anything it's perfect no just kidding (laughs) that's exactly what i thought (laughs) what's better season two of uh double zeta or season two of code geass or double o double o is worse (laughs) but uh chris what were some things that you would change on double zeta or not double zeta zeta it's really not much i i would change um Maybe in terms of the mecha, maybe a little, be a little bit less uh, transforming crazy. Yeah. Because it seemed like everybody and their little brother uh, was transforming there after a while. <laughs> that and kind of mecha of the week, it seemed like. Titan mecha of the week. It had that little that little point they, there. They did have the monster of the week of Idis on, on the Titans end, but... Not not really. I, I, I never uh, saw it as being a monster of the week type thing the way it was... Uh, you know, in the original series. Yeah, that's true. It was, yeah, Jared would always launch a new suit, but it was always, you know, a couple episodes apart. It was never, like, new thing every freaking week. Um, yeah, definitely the transforming, I would tone that down maybe a little bit on, on some of the mobile suits. Um, at the ending, since this is part of Tamino's original plan, uh, some people were going to survive into Double Zeta like Emma, so it would have been interesting to see some carryover of some people because, uh, you know, her death was pretty stupid. That's yeah. touching, man. I agree. <laughs> I'm so not surprised wholeheartedly by that at all. Oh, oh man, that was shocking. <laughs> well, for me, um, I would have liked to seen a little bit more. Um, I, I would have liked to see a, a bit more likable Titans and um, a lot more of the undercurrents that were happening in the uh, Federation between the Federation and the Titans, and and be introduced to a bit more characters on the opposite side instead of them just being. You know, straight up jerks or you know asses or it, so for the most part, the the Titans were a bit too evil, and it would have been cool for them to have a third dimension like the Zeons did, where you know there were some aspects of the Zeons that you know you liked the Zeons even though their heads of state were um, genocidal maniacs, but <laughs> um, the Titans were just a bit too easy to hate, 
and the ones that weren't um, either died too quickly or they changed sides. So, you know, that was all too convenient. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's one thing that could be changed. They could be a little bit less evil. Yeah. yeah. A little bit less transparent. Even even add a, a dimension to Jared where he was more likable. You know, that would have been, uh, been cool to do. Because, you know, I straight up hated Jared, and there's really not much about him I do like at all. Unlike Char, who is, you know, the rival in his respective series. You know, he, he's likable all day long. Yeah, but, but Jared is the progenitor of the loser villain, so you can't, yeah. you can't hate him that much. <laughs> he's burn burning. It's part two. Uh, where would, I give where would loser villains around the mecha world be without Jared Mesa to, you know, to shine the light and guide them? Yeah. You're right about that. If it wasn't for him. We wouldn't have so many so many historical loser villains since. So, Jared, I cracked this brew in honor of you. <laughs> well, but Neo, I, I only have three. Oh, go, only, huh? Yeah, there's only there's 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 only only three things. I I would like to see a little bit more of what Carbo is doing, and instead of like when it was necessary for the AU, you know, for Char or, or Camille. You know when they get, went down to Earth, just you know maybe a quick snippet or something yeah. of you know some of the things that they were planning or some of the things that they were going through. Um, the other one would be my boy Adis Aziba actually not getting killed and defecting over to the or to yeah. the Ayug, and maybe have a few other guys like him, maybe replacing some of you know some of the Cannon Father guys like Bodie and Roberto and later on Opoli and all those guys. Or oh, for him to plant the seeds of. Um of um, humanity into the you know the titan side you know there's titans yeah. out there that are not as um assholes that <laughs> and and the, and the last one i'm surprised chris didn't say this um cots dying sooner right at the oh no, you know what forget cots there's i have one addendum um never have shinta and kumu to begin with okay there you go well mine is i i can deal with i can deal with cots and his whininess and his bitchiness and and his general uh suckiness mm-hmm. but Man, Shinta and Kumu, I just can't stand those kids. Those are like two of the worst Gundam kids ever. No, actually, Kotz should have died. He should have died at he should have died at, at Soroko's hands when he uh, when Sarah died. Like I don't know how he escaped when uh, Soroko went after him. It's like I don't even know. This this guy is like one of the best pilots of um, you know the people out there, and you, you survived. He should have died at that point. He should have. Now we would have lost the hilarity of Kotz's death later on. <laughs> So it is one of the That's a hard that's a hard choice. So it is one of these catch twenty twos. It's like less um I, I can't believe we're gonna talk to we're gonna be friends with Zeon and you know my opinion matters even though I'm some snot nosed kid with no battle experience with all you, with all you one year war veterans and you know the you you former po- politicians within the government and stuff. I'm a one year war one year yeah. one year war veteran. I mean potatoes potato yeah. salad on the white base. Yeah, I used to <laughs> wah, wah. I used to open up cans with my little shark teeth nice. on the white face. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and and ropes. Nice. Yeah. That too. I do have I do have one more um I, I um what if um Sayla. Her little cameo in um in Zeta wasn't enough for me. I'd have liked her at least had one you, line. You didn't, you didn't in like Zeta. her in Monaco? In Monaco, <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> on the it, beach in Monaco. I like the fact that in the movie they actually had her, you know, say something, even though it was like a, a pre recorded um, line from a, a something else. But um, other than that, I, I would have liked her to have played more of a role or heard in um, her and her brother to run into each other in, in Zeta. That would have been cool. Okay. So I guess that's for Zeta. Uh, now double Zeta, Chris. What would you change there? Uh, episode oh, one. Where? Episode one through fifteen. <laughs> oh, no. 
everything that happens in episodes one through twenty. No, seriously, because <laughs> you know, uh, aside from aside from you know, like the ridiculous slapstick tone of uh, of those episodes. Uh, if you look at it, man, the story really drags on there. Yeah, it, yeah. it progresses nowhere. The first half of the show, it's like nothing happens at all until they finally introduce like uh, Pudu and, and Axis mm-hmm. and Haman actually begins her invasion of Earth. For me, that's where the show really starts because, man, they spent so much time back and forth in Shangri-La and oh. then... You know, chicken bone barrels and stuff, and messing around, and then <laughs> Moon Moon, and oh. it's like God, it's like the lost colony of Moon Moon. Ah, there's a reason why I gave those episodes point five. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So I would, I would totally change um, in terms of story. Change, have some stuff happen in those. Because man, if you look at like the first ten episodes of Zeta and the first ten episodes of Vic, of Double Zeta, Double Zeta, it's like it's like night and day because so much happens in Zeta in those first ten episodes. Whereas in Double Zeta, it's like <laughs> the, they took like one episode of story and stretched it out over ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. and this is not just a problem with Double Zeta because like the first yeah. eight or nine episodes of Victory suffer from the same problem of like. Like, oh my god, we're leaving Casarelia. No, we're coming back. No, we're leaving. We're leaving Casarelia. We're stuck in Casarelia. What's going on in Casarelia? Like, oh my god, get the hell out of Casarelia. Yeah, that's as bad as the, uh, the, the hatch of the Zeta won't close. Yeah, so that, that whole first 20 episodes of Double Zeta totally redo the story and have, like, actual things happen. Middle of the show's fine. I would have certainly, you know, developed... Grammy from the very beginning to be, uh, you know, a credible villain rather than just some loser, dumbass noob pilot who's obsessed with Luluka and suddenly turns into like Shar. A last yeah. minute replacement for Shar at that. Yeah, <laughs> they start developing like like in the late twenties, like his rebellion stuff, but it still kind of seems to kind of nowhere when he actually does it. So his rebellion, they could have, you know, one if this show had been fifty episodes. They could have had more time to develop this. Yeah. When they got back into space in the late 30s, none of that crap with Moon Moon or Tigerbaum or Core 3 where the show started to get stupid again. Mm-hmm. If right from the get-go when they got back to space, they spent the last like 10 or so episodes focusing on uh, Grammy's Rebellion and all of that stuff... That would have been much better. His transition to power made no sense. Yeah. Um, it wasn't smooth at all. And before you know it, he was running things. And it just, you know, he was just a grunt. He was just a grunt. It's cool to see someone rise through the ranks. But he was such comic relief and a grunt that, you know, it just, it didn't seem natural at all. Yeah. It's just sort of like he ended up in the spot he did because he's blonde. Yeah. And he already existed. Exactly. What's your number two? Number two, uh, characters. Mm. It was one of the downfalls of Double Zeta. Uh, early on, especially as its characters, because they're really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> especially uh, Bicha and Mondo, with their constant betrayals that they never seem to suffer any price for. Yeah, I know. To the point they they even tried to kill Judo when he went off, ran off to Axis on his own. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they suffer from Team Rocketitis. Yeah, it's like they're just <laughs> annoying guys. Um, Rue, you know, she's supposed to be like older than everyone, but in many ways she's just as immature, if not more so. Heck yeah. As evidenced by that desert arc where she just ran off on her own for whatever reason. Yeah. Jesus. It's like Le- Lena. Lena, uh, stay dead. Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Judo uh, has some rough edges that kind of smoothed out, but uh, took a little bit, you know, too long. 
not have uh, characters like Bright be, uh, you know, tread down upon. Yeah. And forced to contend with chickens and pigs and uh, oh. just being overwhelmed by this bunch of brats so much that he just gives up. He should have got a series pass when he when they docked at Shangri-La. There you go. <laughs> Take this series off, Bright. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, better, better treatment of some of the uh, existing characters and... Um, Make uh, make some changes to the new characters that they introduced, and leading off on you know what I said about Zeta, you know keep some of those Zeta characters around, you know just for uh, some more continuity and and for continuation of the story. That's what I would say for uh, for Double Zeta. Solbro, uh, some of the things I'd like to see changed in Double Zeta. I guess the first thing I'd like to see changed is when the Double Zeta is introduced. I think it's introduced way too early, and. Um, there's a point in the series where Judo is just switch hitting on suits. <laughs> One episode he decides to use the double Zeta, another set of episodes he wants to use the Zeta. It's it they almost become, you know, interchangeable halfway through the show and the double Zeta kind of loses some of its uh importance. I another thing I'd like to change is um there's a portion in the show where you think Camille is coming around and it would have been kind of neat to see him actually get some action. Like he would recover from his, his malady a little bit earlier and actually have some kind of role to play. Maybe on Earth as opposed to in space where the rest of the characters are. And, you know, see him get the Zeta back and start to do some damage in that um, to help Karaba out or something like that. That would have been kind of cool to see his involvement. Help Karaba's out? The uh, Italian uh, restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicioso. Try this a brief brisket. <laughs> It's, mean, it's not only a, a it's not only a, a revolution, but it's a it's a great place to eat. Yeah, you take your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> Support the revolution. Eat at Karamas. Hell yeah! <laughs> Half the proceeds of your of your dinner go to the Karabas Against the Federation Fund. Exactly, it's tax deductible. But it, it would it would have been cool to see him you know to be a side character instead of being an invalid the whole show, and just you know finally you know recover from that since he does inevitably anyway. Pretty much that's it uh, for the things I'd like to change. Well, the things I'd like to change. I mean, Chris covered a lot of them anyway, but um, <laughs> the ones I would like to change too. But, Neo, what's up with you? Uh, Zaku head Zeta. Oh, no. Yeah, I'd like to change that. Maybe show Char besides the opening sequence yelling. Yeah. Um, and that one brief cameo he had in the elevator. Yeah, that's it. When Haman imagined him. Yeah. <laughs> And make the beginning and end of the show as good as the middle of the show. Yeah, that's what I would change. <laughs> and 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 no uh, mobile suit roll call with Shinta and Kum. <laughs> hey kids, can you guess the mobile suit? Yeah, can you say Zaku? Zaku. You would have killed off Shinta and Kum early, huh? And that's the only place in that series where Char actually is, but only by vocals. <laughs> But and possibly having a better battle than uh, Haman just kamikazing into an asteroid, or maybe Haman just killing Judo. <laughs> Ouch! That that would be it for me on uh, Double Zeta. So that would take us to what Char's counterattack, Chris? If we're going chronologically, yes. What would you change there? Uh, definitely, I would say one of the glaring omissions about this uh, movie has always been the lack of Sela. That too. Yeah. Yep. Because she was so dedicated to stopping Char's ambitions in the original series. And then kind of after that, it's like, I guess she just stopped caring. I mean, she has that one conversation with Bright at the very end of Double Zeta that's kind of like setting up a little bit Char's counterattack. Yeah. Exactly. But you'd think that now this guy 
guys launched this quest to uh, make the Earth uninhabitable to force people out into space, she'd appear somewhere to try to appeal to him. Of course, yeah. But she's nowhere to be seen and not even mentioned in this movie as if she doesn't even exist. The only time she even shows up is, you know, when they have that reanimated flashback of uh, Lala's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, it's this, she doesn't even exist. As if it makes you wonder, you know, for her not to be involved, did she die sometime before this? You know, it's, it's, never, go- it's never going to be explained. Maybe but she had Astonaz's pasta. I, you might have. <laughs> <laughs> but for her not to play a part, that just raises a lot of questions. Because you, you figure that she was going to be an integral part th- due to the way that Double Zeta ended. And um, well, she's nowhere to be wrong. seen. And, and it's a question that Tomino has never answered. And I doubt he ever will. But I'd like to ask him. And they get chewed out. It would be awesome. He'd probably, he'd probably say what his, <laughs> his standard answer for those things is now. It's, it's been so long I don't remember. It's like, F you fanboy. That's pretty much his answer. Whenever one, any, anywhere anyone asks him about like, stuff from the 80s, he's like, yeah, it's been so long I don't remember. Nice. So that's what you would get. Anything else? Um, one thing a lot of people have said, I've noticed a lot of people say over the years, is that uh, they would like to see Camille in the movie, but I don't know if that might have been just too much like cramming in because uh, you know Camille's thing was against the Titans. And he obviously paid a very high price for fighting them. And even though Double Zeta at the end shows him like running around with Fa on the beach, we're not quite sure if he ever fully recovered, let alone enough to actually like be part of Mobile Suit Combat. So it would have been interesting to um, you know sort of see him like on the opposite side of Shar, because Shar was kind of like his mentor. That's true. And while they did agree with. Uh, you know, they did have similar sentiments about, you know, people's souls being weighed down by gravity, yada, yada. Camille would have never approved of Char's methods. And, in fact, it was exactly what he stood against when he was fighting Sirocco and Haman. So it would have been interesting to see that, but, you know, in the span of just a two-hour movie, that would have resulted in Camille and Amaro having to share the spotlight, which would have been too much for just that short amount of time. So if Char's counterattack had been, you know... Uh, an OAV series or a TV series, then that would have been appropriate there. But for a two-hour movie, Camille would have, um, I think, been out of place. I, I think it just, I think it just works that he's not in there just because of, um, you know, really, yeah, he was part of the AUG, but the AUG was a rebel force. It wasn't like the Federation, like with Armro. You know, Armro was a, a member of the Federation forces, so it would make a little bit more sense that he had more, you know, ties to keep. Camille was just the, the civilian drafted on and, yeah. you know, like you said, paid his price and, you know, did what he needed to do. But One thing I think could be could have been thrown in is a few minutes worth of, like, say, maybe flashbacks for Char or internal monologue of the time between the end of Zeta and this point that kind of develop a bit more explicitly, you know, where it is that he changed and... You know what caused him to um, have the views that he does now? Maybe it was the Emperor from Star Wars that told him, like, you know, he, his hot wife would die or something, or <laughs> and then he just decided to be evil. P- people may not listen to you, and their souls may be weighed down by gravity. Maybe so. uh, a, a portal opened up, and he met uh, Gilbert Durandal and said, "Hey, you've got an interesting voice. <laughs> I'll listen to what you have to say. I like the sound of things when you say them." <laughs> And who's that guy you're playing ghost chess with? I like the way he looks. Yeah, he's 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 got a good uh, he's got a good mask on him. He he looks quite familiar. Reminds me of someone I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else, Chris? Or uh, no, that'd be about it. Soul bro. 
Um, B- besides Quest, because you've already said that before. <laughs> oh yes, forget Quest. Swoober. Oh, <laughs> you have to get the yes, the, uh, the the sound effects, the board out for that one. The Street Fighter, the Street yeah. Fighter Library of sound effects. <laughs> yep. <laughs> gotta gotta keep you busy. <laughs> well, thank you. I would like to expand upon something you brought up, Chris, which is um, changing it from a well, more so it might this is story might have benefited more for it being an OVA. Or even um, a, a shorter series, like a thirteen-episode series, it definitely warrants it with all the all all the all the stuff that's built up between Amaro and Shar, and just to see how Shar assumes his position, see a bit more cameos from different characters. I, I would love to have seen a cameo from Camille, even if he helped to build the um, the RX ninety-three. And, you know, he was just in the background. You know, he says, it's, you know, fighting in suits isn't really his thing anymore. Or he just can't do it. But, you know, since he designed suits, too, it would have been nice if he had some kind of hand in building Amaro's, um, Amaro's um, Gundam. But um, just just to see the story expanded a bit more and um, just get a final salute to all the characters that have been showing up in the series, the ones that survived and whatnot. There's a perfect explanation why Judo's not there because he's at Jupiterus. But it would have been cool to see some some of the, uh, the characters from... Um, uh, double Zeta on the bridge or something like that. That would have been pretty nice too, but um, that's just me uh, indulging in that. But uh, other than that, not much else. Sailor's um, Sailor's uh, disappearance bothered me highly in that because I, when I watched it for the first time, I was expecting to see her, and all we got was her in that flashback. And um, other than that, I can't really say much else um, on what ifs, Neo. What would My, mine's basically just um, I'm a, I'm in the same long lines of Chris. Maybe like a, a short little flashback or a short little you know montage like at the beginning or something of like Char from the point of escaping the escaping from the Hayakushiki to that point. You know, like you yeah. said, maybe showing his escape, maybe showing like you said how he changed and how he decided to uh, do the reasoning that he had. Other than that, really, really nothing too much else. Maybe. I've been in agreement too. I think Chris, you stated before some of the kind of the useless scenes of um, Mirai and Che Min, you know, fixing the tire and stuff. And it's like <laughs> getting lost, asking for directions. Yeah. Um, Where the hell was Kai? Yeah, maybe Kai. Yeah, you know, maybe put you know, quick thing of like, you know, he was a journalist as well, from what we know in that one manga. So you know, wouldn't he be on the uh, doing the head news thing? He'd be the Wolf Blitzer of. Um, Don't insult of, Kai by comparing him to Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> oh, oh, Wolf. <laughs> it's the first name I could come up with, man. Sorry. Couldn't you just Walter Cronkite or something? Walter Cronkite. Oh, man. Sorry, that Wolf sorry. Blitzer. Oh, Anderson, what a loser. Ander- the Anderson Cooper of Mecha Anime. That's that's Kai right there, boy. Screw that guy too. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. Oh man, but Kai's so dashing. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Anderson Cooper. Oh man, nah, yeah. nah Kai's awesome. Forget it. Anderson Cooper sucks. Well, Ed, we'll just stick with Edward R. Murrow. There you go. We'll stick with him. There we go. <laughs> Hard hitting journalism, but, right there. Um, yeah, that. I mean, that, that's about it. I mean, I guess that would bring us to 0080. Short shorts for boys. <laughs> Hot pants for everybody. Yeah. Hot pants for everyone. And little uh, plain shirts. Chris, uh, besides probably the opening, the opening um, theme. What else would you want to change of a double O eighty? The entire soundtrack. Oh, oh yes, yeah. dude. Woo. Certain. Uh, you, you don't like that Casio synthesizer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few tracks that are pretty good, like some battle songs and some sort of stuff like that, and some dramatic ones. But for the most part, that soundtrack just blows. It dates it so bad. Songs so made bad. off the salsa beat off the Casio twelve hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Because seriously, you know, one thing that Gundam series have always excelled at 
is having really good soundtracks, and the only two for me that don't live up to the mark are 0080 for sucking and F91 for just being sort of generic and mediocre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, 0080's soundtrack just has to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd agree. It's got to go. Everything else about the show is perfect. Get rid of the soundtrack and that opening song. Nice. And I'm and I'm good. So, bro, why not you? I would um I would like more Christina. <laughs> why am I surprised? <laughs> hey, she was redheaded firebrand pilot, man. She had the coolest uh, normal suit out of everybody in in the Gundam series. Always you and your and your and your Chrissy Mac. Man, let me tell you. <laughs> she was um she was cool. I noticed that um she was kind of um they had to leave a little bit of mystery behind her since she was like the um the Gundam pilot but it would have been cool to see more of her than just the girl next door and then um at the end the um the final boss but uh I liked her character and I'd like to see her and Bernie interact a bit more but um sadly that didn't happen and burgers were made <laughs> um what I would change uh give Al pants <laughs> <laughs> Remove some um, of the Nambla undertones, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> remo- remove Bernie's lament. <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> <have>. <laughs> you douche! <laughs> if I could go back in time. Wow. Oh, but um, wash it out your memory. <laughs> um, no. Actually, the only thing that I would like change or like to see is like just what the fate of the Alex was. We never really got and you know even if it's like it's just a little postscript of like what we got at the end of like stardust memories when they said you know the project was whatever you know just what happened to the the alex did it become a trainer did it you know as far as we know it it never was it never made it to uh armoro so you know just just that but other than that there's really not much i would change on it you know so that's about it so any other things before we close this out chris or solbro that you might have forgot or something you might want to add that you thought of later on or um oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good i think we i think we hit a lot of the nails okay cool you, you you done too chris i'm done okay good well that's the first of our three-part segment which is going to be kind of what we would change or you know in uh, various gundam shows uh this one we completed all the shows in the 80s uh which included msg zeta double zeta shars counterattack and 0080 uh, next uh, show, we'll be talking about um, what we would change in some of the 90s Gundams, which should probably be a little bit longer. Just, um, a, t- just a skosh. You know, so, and and then uh, after that, we'll hit the 2000s, and uh, we'll probably have uh, Destiny as a separate one, because we'll have to go, go episode by episode. <laughs> <laughs> minute by minute, <laughs> scene by scene. We gotta Here get we- Austin back for that. Here we are, uh, two minute and 42 seconds into episode two. <laughs> Why don't we just record uh, audio commentary for every episode complaining about everything? <laughs> we should. You guys can get right on that. I'll, I'll yeah. set that one out. But, hey, it's um, taken. No, we're just joking on that. But we uh, that So that concludes this one, uh, this segment of the 1980s Gundam shows and movies. Uh, you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I have been having a very bad day. Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus and flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I am in a bad goddamn mood. Now I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down. But this man Jack Cates 
me straighten out the rest of my day. Now I suggest you all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I'll pop a cap in your ass. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Jules, you give that f***ing Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the f*** up! Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is episode 42, an episode dedicated to all future pioneers. And um, in this episode, we talked about uh, what well, we brought up our latest Macross roundup, which involved Macross Plus, the OVA from 1994, and the movie from 1995. And the um, other segment that we talked about is the beginning of a three-part discussion having to do with changes we would make in various Gundam series. This time, we covered the decade of the 80s as well as Mobile Suit Gundam from 1979 and um fellas any any last words at all um everything sucks that it does he's true <laughs> and there's Gundam no- sucks and and nothing is as bad as seasons two of double o there you go man voltron voltron is better than every gundam theory <laughs> no man you left out one all right you left yep. out one Robo- epic robotech anime. robotech is better than every gundam theory all right robotech masters or ser- uh, season two of double o which one's worse how could other of you guys forget zoids double o <laughs> double o is always worse than anything oh even, even rapists how dare you speak ill of zoids genesis <laughs> Because as you can see in the title, it's the genesis of Zoids. Double O, you get such a bad rap online. Don't worry, we love you. uh, Second season, horrible. Oh. (laughs) It's so bad, Solbro can't even guarantee it. (laughs) And and just don't believe us. Believe the trolls on 4chan. Believe the trolls, man. (laughs) (laughs) If you take what they hate and flip it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those things should get Criterion editions. <laughs> there you go. Just real quick, mahq.net. Make sure to hit that website. That's your headquarters for mecha and anime. Make Screw sure. that website. That oh. guy who runs it, he's an asshole. <laughs> he's, he's so biased and he's a loser. And he, he forces he's his so. opinions on everybody. That seems to be the slogan. <laughs> Screw that guy. I don't know why anyone even goes to that website. Oh, man. <laughs> also, check out his forums at mechatalk.net. That's nah, dis- a bunch of UC circle jerks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Gundam also has their, their, their forums there in the uh, Gundam at MAHQ section. Of course, hit on um, nah, Gun- Crappy. <laughs> All those, all those opinionated people. I can't believe they actually like Gundamax. Man. Uh, in addition, make sure to hit Gundam.net where the latest episodes and information on them are posted. You can find us on iTunes, Spill.com, Facebook, where MySpace. send all your hate mail to? Oh, you can send all your hate mail to Gundam, <laughs> M-A-H-Q, 
at gmail.com <laughs> or, or even neomahq at gmail.com. And, do, do, all the, feel free. and all those that are entitled to the Solbro guarantee. <laughs> And, and they want they want their money, time, and bandwidth back. Send your emails to sbrmhq at gmail.com. And sometimes he, you know, sometimes he can't. Um, he doesn't like to, if if he only gets one email from you, he won't look at it. So make sure you send at least two or three at a time. There you go, or five. <laughs> it pays five to have five is a good like super sentai number. <laughs> it pays to have ambition. And for all those that would like petitions started, please send all your. Uh, petition ideas to sbrmhq at gmail.com also um, peep our tweets on twitter at www.twitter.com slash m-a-h-q d-o-t-n-e-t eh, twitter's gay it's for gay people <laughs> also look for um, Chris and myself and Neil we're all on twitter you can find our links on um, at gundam.net for that as well <clears throat> and um, any anything else to add before we, we before we ride on out? I hate you all. I don't like any of you. Looks like nothing has changed. All right. <laughs> season season two of Double O Y. That's the biggest question in capitals. All caps underscored explanation points. Nice. Why? Yeah. That's a that's about it. Hey man, don't worry. We have more to complain about once the movie comes out. Swell. <laughs> but um, that's it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. Stay tuned for episode forty three, and we'll see you later. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna laugh if he gets email. <laughs> this guy off. Right. These hands of ours are burning red. Their loud cry tells us to grasp happiness. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. That's it. Dagobah. Yes. I'm sure it's perfectly safe for droids. Think again, motherfucker. Dagobah is the galaxy's most extreme vacation destination. Are you tired of bird watching on Yavin every summer? Then get your ass to the only outer rim planet that guarantees the most high-impact recreation. Swing on a vine. Dagobam. Flip over log. Dago Booyah. Battle a creepy vision of your own Sith Lord Father. Dago Badass. You're not already shitting your pants, then take it from Master Yoda. You will be. You will be. So when you want a vacation that gets your adrenaline pumping, where are you gonna go? Cloud City's for old people. Hoth is for pussies. And Endor? <laughs> go f*** yourself. So catch the next freighter to the Dagobah system and leave your fucking droid at home. Paid for by the Dagobah Tourism Bureau.